This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Alrighty, folks, welcome back in. That was a pretty quick break. See, we told you it wouldn't be too long. Right now, the eight, time 8.13 as we kick off the action line. And our guest this morning is going to be Dr. Mike Courtney from Branches Counseling Center. And it's been, what, a couple months since we had you in. So uh, some updates, some things different, things uh, a little brighter maybe than when we spoke to you a couple months ago in regards to people getting out and uh, being able to talk to people in person. And this is, of course, a nice change having you in studio here today. So uh, welcome in. Oh, thanks, Nick. It's always good to be here. Yeah, we are uh, kind of fully open. We're still doing telehealth. You know, there's some changes that took place during the pandemic that I think will be with us forever. I think Mm -hmm. we do more more Zoom calls, more uh, telehealth, that kind of thing. But uh, for the most part, we're fully open and seeing a lot of people for for some good reasons, you know, premarital counseling, that kind of thing, starting back again. That's really good. So uh, some of the things that you mentioned that are that are going to kind of stick with us after, uh, you know, after we go through COVID, Zoom being one, and that's that's one that I think a lot of people, you know, maybe in some cases need to see somebody one-on-one in person, but also mm-hmm. if you're busy, if you're traveling, I mean, that could be a great tool. Has that been something that folks have maybe gotten used to and thought, well, hey, now that we are, you know, back in person, can we still do a Zoom call? Does that, you know, maybe on a Friday or a, a day when they don't have time to, to drive across town to come see you, does that still pop up pretty frequently? Yes, we uh, we don't actually use Zoom. There's a more HIPAA-compliant uh, telehealth uh, platform that we use, but it really is. And, you know, not only have people gotten used to it, but they've seen that there's really some, in some cases, some benefit, you know, that I'm a little less stressed when I come into a counseling appointment. I, you know, I, I don't uh, even try to guess, but my imagination is they're sitting there with a shirt and their pajama bottoms on. So there's, <laughs> they're more relaxed, more at ease. Uh, quite honestly, I think our counselors have gotten better. We, we understand a little bit better how to read facial expressions, body language, those kinds of things that we missed early on. So I think that's going to be with us for a long, long time. And not just in the behavioral health world, but, uh, you know, we're even seeing more and more physical health, you know, just make a phone call, talk to your PCP uh, by uh, video screen, something like that. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think there's some there's probably some negative things that we need to talk about that will be with us. But uh, there are some positive things that came out of this. And for counseling in that is it's I've you know it's not a one size fits all. So people maybe sometimes maybe just need to make a couple of phone calls or have a couple of uh, virtual meetings, and other people maybe need to be a little bit longer. But if you found that to where somebody might say, you know, hey, uh, you know, we just got married. Here's a few things me and my wife want to run through and just kind of talk out. But it doesn't necessarily need to be a once a week for a year type of thing. Mm-hmm. But maybe just a couple times. And you mentioned premarital counseling is one where folks can say, you know what, instead of driving across town to come in and, and physically be, and maybe this is something we can do online and or over a phone. And yeah, I could see how that could be, you know, kind of beneficial depending on the scenario. Yeah, that's a really good point. I do think because it is a little easier to do that way that some people have availed themselves of uh, behavioral health care uh, when it's 
it wasn't the great crisis that it required in the past to make an appointment, contact your insurance company, all those things. And there are some people that we're seeing that just kind of need almost a life coaching encouragement. Uh, how do I get through this immediate crisis? That kind of thing. And, I, and to be candid, I thoroughly enjoy that. I usually tell my clients early on in the process, listen, I love you. I don't want to spend the rest of my life with you. Uh, I, you know, sooner is better than later and faster is better than slower as far as I'm concerned. So th- that is one thing that is kind of improved by this uh, telehealth thing. Now, I will say it's very important to make that specific face-to-face connection. So most of the time what we do is we will say, we'll see you two or three times. We'll pro- hardly ever make that initial visit by telehealth. Mm-hmm. We want to see you in person. And then after that, two or three times, then let's visit in person. Two or three times, let's visit in person. I just, I kind of like to follow that rhythm as I'm uh, working with clients. And it's a little bit of a different pace if you have somebody who's already married that's coming to counseling compared to the premarital counseling. That's something that if you could talk about that a little bit more, is that kind of a, I don't want to use the word a maintenance, but maybe just a, hey, we're getting married. We're, we're both a young couple. Uh, you know, what are some things we should look out for? What are some things that, you know, might come up? Because I'm right. sure you, you could, you know, have a list of things that when people get married, they say, well, this is a little different. And you're spending all that time with somebody that you know, maybe have never spent that much time with somebody before. Um, so with, with COVID and pushing back so many of these weddings, are you seeing a lot of these, uh, you know, marital counseling type of things pop where people are saying, hey, we got married six months ago, a year ago, didn't necessarily, you know, have time to come in and, and do some of this premarital counseling. Or if we could, it was a little harder. But now that things are a little more relaxed, maybe they're coming in a little bit more and, and having these talks. Yeah, that's good. I think we do see that quite a bit. Uh, you know, I probably shouldn't say this uh, on the air, but premarital counseling is the biggest waste of time in the world. They they are madly in love. They, they, they're not listening to a thing I'm saying. I'm laying out the problems they're going to face, and they're just looking at one another with goo-goo eyes, and they don't believe any of that. But three or four months afterwards or six months afterwards, they have kind of run into some reality and uh, and we are seeing that some people who uh, sometimes the wedding itself was was downsized and they uh, just went had a family thing and now they're thinking you know we'd like to have some kind of public even if it's just the reception some kind of public thing and while we're doing that uh, let's do a little uh, post premarital counseling and it's very effective and and quite honestly kind of fun to do to work with young couples uh, they're not deep into the the morass of uh you know 15 years of really struggling not communicating well they're still they're still at that point of being very hopeful and it is, and if you can head off some things early it's pretty beneficial and and it's good to do yeah and that's something I think in the last year and a half I've I've you know just heard more and more of, which is a great thing as folks going to counseling or just even talking to a friend or a family member about some of these things and airing some of these things out because, and this will be kind of our topic for this morning, is uh, you know, COVID really tightened the clamps on a lot of people's lives in, in a bad way and stressed them out and you know put them through, and, and like everybody can agree, put you through some things that you didn't expect that you're like, well, there's not really a recipe for this. Like, how right. do you how do you know how to quarantine when you haven't had to quarantine before? Um, so, what are some of the things that you've heard that uh, you know folks are coming to you with and saying, you know, uh, the quarantine's been hard the last year and a half, the last year, and um, you know, here are some things that that maybe I need to help need help with mental health wise. What have some of those conversations sounded like? Is it depression, anxiety, a little mixture of everything? Is it something new altogether? Uh, I'd say all of the above. Yeah, the answer is yes to that. All all of the above. I there have been some very positive things that have come out of this this 
pulling together this uh, uh, quarantine experience where in some ways as a as a country and certainly as a community we've kind of become foxhole buddies you know we've survived this together pulled together but there there have been some uh, genuine uh, negative consequences and some of those not to be pessimistic about this but some of those just as the positive things will be with us for a long long time some of these negative things will be with us for a long long time um, my I have a grandson who is uh, 18 months old and uh, the other day we took him to the grocery store and I and it was funny to watch him interact with people I mean he, he was a little anxious and and I realized you know he has not been around people as a normal 18-month-old would have been in the past. He hasn't, hasn't been around other children. He, and I, I have great confidence that Caleb is going to be fine. But my guess is that when he's 18, 19, 20 years old, going off to college, there's going to be some anxiety that comes up that perhaps he would not have experienced had he not gone through this. So I think anxiety, depression, obviously, are high on the list. A, a kind of pervasive sense of fear uh, that's really unidentified. I'm not able to put my finger on it. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. A, a phobia that, uh, that kind of came up through this some very specific phobias there are people who are uh, uh, very uh, hypoallergenic aware I think I just made all those words up but that were not in the past but now they're more concerned about this some OCD behavior where people are washing their hands over and over and over again I, I can't leave we were talking off the air about the mask I can't leave home without my mask even though in most places that's not mandated. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of behavior like that. There's also some, some uh, interrelational uh, issues. The very best of husbands and wives, I think we talked about this when we were together at Valentine's, the very best of husbands and wives who have been cooped up in the same house for 12 or 14 months. There's some issues that, that pop up. I love my wife dearly, but she got on my nerves by the end of this quarantine period so a lot of that we're we're spending time with and and again th these are not end of the world kind of things we're seeing very positive steps and people are recognizing that they're making the changes they need to make so i'm very hopeful that we will work our way through some of the things that have come up out of this so how do you approach something like that as far as um you know maybe talking and saying the last you know year and a half uh, me and the wife of been struggling to you know come in together mm -hmm. for so much now that we're kind of getting back out things have kind of calmed but do you look at it as a, a one-off thing and say if you guys can get through this the odds of it happening again you know not as high this shouldn't be something that maybe you should build into your your daily routine to be ready for or do you say you know hey this is something that you guys got to take with you make you stronger in case something like that happens again not even necessarily a, a quarantine but just um, you know, those kind of struggles you run through being together like that all the time. Is that something that, you know, maybe folks need to prepare for uh, down the road for other other reasons like that? Yeah, I think that can be one of the good things that come out of this is that we build some muscles, some some uh, emotional, relational muscles that we perhaps would not have worked on in the past. Uh, my wife and I, I hope she's not listening to this, but we're getting older, you know, we're up in years. And so quite honestly, we spend more time together now than we did when we were in our 20s and our 30s because we're a little more sedentary. We don't, we're not quite as active as social as we once were. So the things we have learned in this past year will prepare us for the years ahead. I, I think that's 
that's a really positive thing that can come out of this. We generally, I generally try to normalize that with a couple. So you know, everybody's been through this. Most couples are struggling with that kind of thing. That kind of thing. I try to uh, instill some realistic expectations. You know, I don't care how much you love each other, being in the same house for 14 months, uh, and then we try to give some good. Uh, coping skills some tools some communication tools that that again no matter what the circumstance will stand them in good stead way way down the road so it's funny how all this kind of comes back together those very same conversations are the conversations we have with that young post-premarital couple hey you're going to face things probably far worse than this in Mm -hmm. your lifetime together this is a great time to learn how to do that well I was watching. Uh, there's a basketball game, the Suns playoff game, and there was a uh, there was a brawl in the in the stands. It was one of the first games when they got back to full capacity, yes. and people were getting crazy in that. And one of the announcers he says, "Hopefully, people haven't forgotten how to act in public, um, being you know quarantined for so long." And I know that's kind of uh, an exaggeration, but what are what are some things you tell people who are getting back out and to say, you know what? Because you, you can forget some of those little things, and maybe you know dealing with somebody that gets on your nerves if you're quarantined, if you're away from people for a while. You come back, you run into one of those people that kind of gets on your coworker or a neighbor or whatever right. it is, and you snap or you, you say, well, you know, what are some of those things that you need to kind of remember that you talk to folks about? You know, hey, don't forget some of these little things that are going to help you, whether it's, you know, dealing with people, uh, road rage, things like that, just little stuff uh, to get back and say, you know, what, when, you, when you're away from people, you kind of forget about some of these little things that bug you, but they're going to come back and you got to deal with them and, and be respectful and, and kind of take it on. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, you know, I hate to use a too broad of a term, uh, but uh, some of the issues that we're facing and the things that we're seeing are are symptoms of PTSD, a post-traumatic stress disorder. And in many ways, the things that we faced with young men coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan 20, 25 years ago, now all of society is facing. We have all been through a pretty traumatic experience. And so, again, recognizing some of the symptoms of that heightened irritability, I, you know, I just the things that used to not bother me, they, they as you say, get on my nerves now. That that is a, a difficult thing. Uh, increased anger, uh, inability to de-escalate, uh, flashbacks to this thing makes me think of that thing. So that guy cuts me off in traffic and I am just over the top angry and I realize, you know, it's not about him cutting me off in traffic. It's about the fact that during uh, the COVID-19 quarantine, I was not able to go to the hospital and visit my mother who was who was dying. So recognizing those symptoms are vitally important. Uh, how we handle that, some of the common techniques that I think we would use no matter what the source of that would be uh, de-escalation techniques taking a deep breath counting backwards from a hundred those kinds of things Uh, mindfulness uh, mindfulness is just simply being aware of of the situation around me without passing judgment good or bad but staying present in that I do a, a mindfulness technique with people. I'll have them pick up a, a, a animate object, uh, an inanimate object. Uh, this is a, a, a aerosol bottle in front of me. I look at it. I examine it. I see what it is. I'm not passing judgment. It's not good or bad. And then I set that aside. Now, in the same way, that guy at the Suns game standing up in front of me, I can't see the game. He's getting on my nerves. 
I take a deep breath, I pick that up, I examine it, I set that aside. So learning to do some things like that are really valuable. And again, I think they're valuable right now and 15 years from now they'll be valuable in when other circumstances come up. Dr. Mike Courtney, our guest this morning from Branches Counseling Center here in Murfreesboro. And uh, always a pleasure. The time always seems to just fly by when we have you here. There's always a lot of good conversation to have. I wanted to ask you while we had a few more minutes, people who have dealt with loss over uh, COVID and during quarantine, you know, people, and I can speak from, you know, somebody I know personally who lost their wife uh, during COVID, that second wave of emotion kind of hits after everything opens mm-hmm. back up because you're kind of stuck in the moment and it's, you know, almost like a week by week kind of thing where everything's shut down. And, you know, a lot of people weren't able to have funerals. A lot of people couldn't go see people in uh, nursing homes or the, you know, funeral system might have been a little different. Instead of having your traditional funeral and service, maybe it was it was shortened. You weren't able to go. Um, you know, go to a funeral because there were there were small capacity, things like that. Uh, seeing people in uh, hospice and hospitals was was tougher. But once everything opens back up and now you see people kind of going through the same thing, but with more normalcy. So now, you know, here's somebody who's visiting their wife in the hospital when you weren't able to six or eight months ago. Right. How do you kind of handle that? What are some things you could tell people who, who had to deal with loss during COVID and say, you know, really, it's just not fair. But how do you kind of go through that and, and approach that um, in a good way, a, a healthy way? Yeah, boy, that's what a great question. What a great issue or difficult issue that we're dealing with, Nick. Um, a very, very fast story. My, I had a sister who was killed in an automobile accident 45 years ago. It's a long, long time ago. But I, I'll never forget the first day you go out to the mailbox and there's 20 sympathy cards. This, this is back when you mailed things. You didn't email things. And the next day there was 15. And, then you, and, and about 30 days... I remember going out to the mailbox for the first time and there being no sympathy cards. And and it just hit me, the rest of the world has gone on and I'm still stuck with this loss. I think that's what you're describing here, mm-hmm. that everybody else, they've taken off their mask, they're enjoying, but it seems like everybody's forgotten what I have been through. I, uh, I wrote a blog about this, interesting enough, this week, and uh, I doubt if I can, at my age, remember all five things I said, but there were five things, and it's kind of like this. Number one is revisit. Be willing to address it. Be willing to say, well, there's a great, I, you know, I'm so glad that this couple is enjoying their new marriage, but I am carrying this heavy load. So being, being willing to revisit, I think that is an important thing. Uh, number two is being willing to relate it to 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 say it there's for all we have learned about behavioral health and counseling and all those things we've never found a better way than actually talking you have to speak it out and so to say to someone uh to god if you have a a a religious background to certainly say to yourself this is a very painful thing to speak those words out loud number three is to reframe it uh, and think of it differently. You know, I am so glad that we had those few months together. We were cooped up and we were able to be together before mom went into the hospital and then we didn't get to see her again. Uh, re- reframe it, repicture it, try to see uh, in a different light some of the positive and even not if the positive, see, man, this is a this was a blessing that this happened in this way number four would be return uh as difficult as it is as as painful as once i have revisited it and related it and reframed it i i need to make a conscious effort to turn away from that to return you know i still have kids i have to take care of i still have a job i still have and so return to those uh 
to, to the present, to a, a normal life. And then here's the last one in my alliteration is probably going to, well, no, it won't fail me. I'll, I'll, I'll come up with one word here, and that is rehearse. And that is to just rehearse over and over and over again uh, how blessed I am in in this particular circumstance. We have a great community in Murfreesboro. We have a, a, a loving community. We have wonderful churches. We have good social organizations. Boy, I, I, I hate that this thing happened, but what a blessing that it happened here. I think those five things kind of tend to help me to work my way through that, that grief process and to recognize it just, it, it is, it takes time. It's mm-hmm. going to take some time to get through that. Well, I always appreciate the time. We are just about out today. I wanted to leave you with any final thoughts as I've had a, a number of questions. You've been awesome answering them and uh, going through some listener questions and ideas and that. Uh, I'll kind of leave you with the last couple minutes. Any final thoughts? And just thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure to chat. Oh, thank you, Nick. You always ask great questions. I never know exactly what to expect, but you always ask great <laughs> questions. I enjoy being here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I would say that uh, this is a great time to do some self-care to do some reading, some hiking, some reflecting. Uh, We are post-quarantine. We're not fully over all of this. There's still a lot. And so this is a great time to just look in the mirror and say, you know, here's somebody, there's somebody there that I like and I want to take good care of them. And so this is a great time to focus on good self-care. This is not a shameless plug. Maybe it is a shameless plug, but uh, I write a blog. I do a, I do a, a, a weekly video to find something like that that can bring some encouragement to you, some give you some good steps. It's a good time to focus on taking care of yourself. A podcast as well? Do you have the podcast? I do a podcast, yeah. Podcast? yeah. What different, thanks for mentioning that. What difference does that make with Dr. Mike Courtney? It's just a fun podcast, and uh, I need to come up here and uh, have you on as a, as a guest on my podcast. I would like that. Life on the radio. I would like that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Mike Courtney. Uh, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks again for your time this morning. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy this wonderful weather before the rain hits, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you, Nick. All righty. We're going to take a quick time out, guys. The Murfreesboro Little Theater. They, I can hear them in the side room. They're getting ready for us. I don't know what they're doing over there, but they're doing something. They're ready for us. Uh, so we're going to bring them in the studio here, get them set up. We'll be right back on the other end of this commercial break. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. I'm always one of those that goes on and off diets. One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. And you know, at Demas's, one of the things that I started doing because of my own eating habits is, is we have a low calorie menu and a low carb menu. So depending on whatever diet that you like, we have options for you that are available at Demas's. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. Hi, this is Amanda at Animal City. Come see us at 919 Northwest Broad Street here in Murfreesboro. Now is a great time to consider flea and tick protection for your pet. We carry a full line of flea and tick products for dogs, cats, rabbits, and ferrets. We also carry a variety of hard-to-find products for your specialty pets. So if you need a pouch for your sugar glider or food for your hedgehog, come see us at Animal City. You can find Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. 
Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. I was sent first to radio school. Then when I finished that, I was sent to Yuma, Arizona to gunnery school. Dr. Charles Edwin Howard, a World War II veteran. And here we started out with shotguns on the back of a pickup truck standing up and we fired at discs thrown out, went around a big circle. We went from that to a place where we sat and they showed pictures of airplanes coming out of the side and front and so forth and we fired a light gun at these. Then they sent me to Savannah, Georgia, and there we met the crew that we would fly with. Dr. Howard was in the U.S. Air Force. November of 1943, we got on the Ile de France, the old iconic luxury ship. I was uh, 13 floors down from the top. It was very uh, sickening and very hot, bad, slept in a hammock. It took us quite a few days to get across. Oh, I was sick almost all the time. So was everybody else. But uh, we finally docked right out of Glasgow, Scotland. We got in a truck and drove to a place called Defum Green. That was a little village, and all around this village was the base, 452nd Palm Group. And that was my assignment. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran. Hummingbird Hill is an equal opportunity provider. Hummingbird Hill is Smyrna's newest apartment home community for people 62 and older. Located at 443 mason tucker drive income restrictions apply background and credit check required old friends new name better together as first national bank of murfreesboro transforms into capstar bank our focus is on you we're entering a new generation of banking in rutherford county but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve we're at 2230 mercury boulevard capstar.com member FDIC equal housing lender the Doug Young Educator of the Month from News Radio, WGNS, and City Tile and Floor Covering spotlights Harley Morphis, seventh grade science teacher at Blackman Middle School. I became an educator because I have a passion for science and I wanted to instill that in my very own students. 
What I enjoy most about teaching is getting to know the students on a more personal level, getting to know their ins and outs, what makes them laugh, and what they're passionate about. Harley Morphis, 7th grade science teacher at Blackman Middle School, the educator of the month. One of my biggest achievements this year is not only teaching through a pandemic, but figuring out ways to engage my students by doing labs, hands-on activities, and also getting virtual guest speakers to come in and talk with my kids about potential careers they could have in the future. Before I retire, one thing I hope to accomplish is to help aid in policy changes within education as they are much needed. Seventh grade science teacher Holly Morphis at Blackman Middle School, the Doug Young Educator of the Month. Sponsored by City Tile and Floor Covering on Spring Street. We're loud. We're proud. We're blue. WGNS AM and FM, your home for the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Alrighty guys, welcome back in. Right now the time 8.41 as we kick off the second half of the action line today. And our guest this morning is Jamie Stevens and Ricky Martini from the Walnut House and uh, folks over at the Murfreesboro Little Theater. And uh, with that I say welcome in. Good morning guys. Good morning. Good morning. You guys just saw me have a real life brain dead moment right there on the radio. <laughs> I see you laughing over there at me. That's okay though. That's why you got to take notes, right? <laughs> Uh, so thank you guys so much for coming on. Have you guys been on uh, WGNS before? I know we were talking a little bit off the air, and it's been a little while. This is the first time we had met. So uh, Once before, uh, during a production of The Volunteer that also took place at the Walnut House with uh, Ricky uh, last January. Okay, fantastic. Well, welcome back. And like I said, this is the first time we got to meet, so excited to have you guys on. And a uh, couple different things we wanted to cover here. Now, do we want to save the news of upcoming productions for the end, or do you want to start right off with that? Um, we can kick off with it. All righty. Um, currently, Murfreesboro Little Theater is partnering with Acting Theater Group uh, to do a production of the Laramie Project here in Murfreesboro. We opened last night, and it was awesome. Uh, and we have three more performances running tonight, tomorrow, and then Sunday as a matinee at 2 p.m. Uh, the Tonight and Tomorrow shows are at 7 p.m. Upcoming, Murfreesboro Little Theater has their end-of-year uh, award ceremony on August 14th, which will also be at the Walnut House. And then they will be kicking off their 60th season. We will be kicking off our 60th season um, with productions of Constellations, directed by Eroy Lee and uh, Miss Nelson is Missing, directed by Emma Hawkins uh, in September. So those are the, the big upcoming events for Murfreesboro Little Theater. And then Acting Theater Group, the youth theater group um, for ages 13 to 19, is going to be having a table reading for their season five shows in October. Fantastic. And a table reading. Explain to the listeners what that is. So um, what I like to do when I plan a show for the next year for my age group is make sure they like it so that they'll show up. <laughs> so I'll, That's a I'll, good start. Yes. <laughs> so I'll have copies of the script and uh, just invite, you know, prospective actors and technicians to come in and we read it together. And then afterward we say, okay, do we want to do this? And that's usually how I decide the season. So. And that is cool. And we were just talking, Dr. Mike Courtney was just on with us. And in between breaks, I was telling him you guys were coming up. He said, what a cool thing to live somewhere where there's just so much going on, uh, multiple theaters, different places to see live entertainment all over the place. And, you know, just right up the road from Nashville. But I think Murfreesboro kind of gives it a run for its money as far as, you know, we, we got uh, just some really great productions here. I mean, you don't, you don't have to drive up 24 an hour to go to Nashville to see these great shows that are happening right here in our backyard. Absolutely. 
Where's the best place for folks to uh, find more information on some of these shows if they're listening right now to get tickets and all that good stuff? Um, so tickets and reservations can be made right now at www.mltarts.com. Um, there's a great link for now showing, and that's where they would be able to reserve their seats for the Laramie Project and then get all of the information about upcoming MLT activities. And then Facebook is really a great way to keep up with us. We have a very active um, community group page, uh, and then we also post to the organization organization page. Sorry, haven't had enough coffee this morning. And uh, so does acting. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Tell us a little bit about the Walnut House. Uh, absolutely beautiful venue. We were just talking about Nashville, but again, we got that cool stuff right here in our backyard. Tell us about the Walnut House. Uh, the Walnut House is a multi-purpose venue. We do all kinds of events there. We, of course, have uh, theater events. We also have concerts. We do weddings and birthday parties and anniversaries, showers, you know, every any kind of event that you could imagine. Um, we can hold up to 300 people standing room, uh, 250 people seated with a stage event theater style, and uh, we could do weddings up to 160 people. Fantastic, fantastic. So um, tell us a little bit more about your roles in with, uh, with the Murfreesboro Little Theater and the Walnut House and kind of how you guys are involved and uh, your, your role in all that. Well, uh, this all started when uh, Murfreesboro Theater unfortunately lost their home. Um, they had a beautiful old building uh, built by the Youth Corps back in uh, uh, the uh, uh, WPA days, and it had been deteriorating over time, and, and the city had to shut it down. Um, and we just felt that we needed to jump in and help them out and give them, you know, a, a place to, to have a home if necessary. And so I think the first thing we did was the award ceremony. So it's, yeah. it's great that that's coming up right around the corner here. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, and then we've just kind of grown together. And, uh, but, but the little theater is also all over Murfreesboro. I mean, you guys do all different kinds of venues in town. Yep, we, uh, we partner with a lot of different venues. I know one of our upcoming shows is going to be taking place in a music shop on the square, or just Very off cool. the square. Very cool. Um, and, you know, as far as our relationship with the Walnut House, Ricky's amazing. He's an outstanding technician, um, an amazing host, anything you could possibly want for a show and more. Uh, we, we get to do there, which is really wonderful, especially uh, his expertise with the technology, the sound, the lighting, and just being so flexible um, and just having his own artistic view to help us to create our artistic view on stage for our audiences is just really beautiful. Um, I personally have been uh, working with Murfreesboro Little Theater for the last well over five years. I started out as an actor in their outdoor Shakespeare program, which is awesome um, and then recently this past year became a board member uh, so I'm a secretary on the board of directors and uh, we are be go hopefully going to be welcoming new board members uh, very soon with the start of the 60th season um, and at Murfreesboro Little Theater was really instrumental in me being able to start acting theater group which focuses on that teenage bracket mm. um, and giving them a home so MLT gave us a home and then Ricky's kind of welcoming the whole family in so it's uh, it's been a really interesting journey so 60 years 
Mm-hmm. 60 years. That's, that is that's impressive. I'd say after after so long, we get the 50, 60, 80 years, you think, well, they must be doing something right. After yeah. 60 years, they must be doing something right if they're still around and, and growing and people are still excited to see and uh, you know hear what's coming up next. So a couple of different productions coming up. How do you cast these shows? What does the process look like? Where do you find your talent? Is this something you just get kids from the area, different teens and different youth and young adults? Um, where do these, where do these uh, actors and actresses come from? Everywhere. Um, so at least for the Laramie project, we had people auditioning from three different states. Um, so from Tennessee and Murfreesboro area uh, for the majority. And then we had a couple of people audition virtually uh, by sending in videos who were getting ready to move to Tennessee, which was pretty cool. Um, as far as uh, in general with our shows, we usually announce auditions on the website and on Facebook and uh, people show up. And if they, with a COVID, we had a really interesting opportunity to do some virtual theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially with, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the name. Uh, but we did uh, one production where we had people from multiple states, but also people from multiple countries. You know, we had someone from Germany sending in a video and it was a, a filmed and live streamed version of theater. But in general, we're usually announcing them and then holding them at a place and then kind of bringing everybody in as we can. So we don't have to spend all day on it because, uh, you know, this has been just a, a dominated conversation for the last year and a half just about. But walk us through that COVID experience for you guys because uh, theater and entertainment was one of the first industries, I think, to kind of you know really feel the hit because... And, and it's not necessarily wrong, but when we were, uh, when everybody was staying home and quarantining and they said, we need essential workers, we need food, we need doctors, we need police officers, the entertainment industry got pushed right to the back and they said, it's fun, but we don't necessarily need it. Uh, we need to focus our attention on feeding people and keeping people healthy if we can. So you guys kind of got the first big hit and we've talked to, uh, you know, different folks kind of in your same position. And they said, yeah, you know, we got shut down and they said, we'll let you know, basically stay put. Oh, you guys have bills. You have uh, stay put. We'll let you know. What was your guys' experience like? Yeah. You know, uh, before operating the Walnut House, uh, I was a touring sound engineer and production manager and tour manager. So uh, 72 million people out of work just at a snap of a finger. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and you know, here in, in Murfreesboro, I mean, we had to shut down immediately. We canceled weddings and all kinds of events. All the concerts that we had booked, everything went off completely. And it's, it's just off and done, gone, zero. And so, uh, and, I, and I think that uh, the, the entire entertainment industry has kind of been forgotten in this whole thing. Because, uh, you know, I mean, and, and, and even now getting back, everybody's excited. We get to go to concerts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the underlying things are like all of the bus drivers who used to drive the tour buses all had to find other kinds of work to do. Mm-hmm. So everybody's having a hard time finding a, a bus driver. Uh, truck drivers are hard to find now because everybody went to driving trucks to transport goods and, you know, because mm-hmm. of the of, of shortages and stuff. I mean, it's just on and on and on and on, and it's really hard to get back up and going again. So um, I think everybody should just remember that and keep that in mind that all these people, and the people who work behind the scenes too, it's just not just the entertainers that we all know their names and the, and the performers and the actors and things. It's also all the crew people who work, the people who do the lighting and the sound and cater the events and all the rest of the things, that all those people lost their, lost their employment. And, and it's, uh, it's been hard to recover. 
For sure. And um, from the theater perspective, at least the Murfreesboro Community Theater, um, MLT was uh, had just started rehearsals for their outdoor Shakespeare production of Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. So we had a whole cast and crew of people who we had to, you know, myself being one of them, who just kind of got stopped dead in our tracks. Um, and then with Acting Theater Group, we were two days from opening um, our production of a show called Good Kids, um, which in my personal humble non-biased opinion was going to be phenomenal um the cast was amazing it was a really important show as far as the subject matter dealing with things like peer assault and cyberbullying and everything and we were really excited to mount this production and two days before our curtain was supposed to go up we got completely shut down and unfortunately with that production a lot of the people who were involved moved away started college or or had other things going on and it was really impossible to kind of bring that same group back together to have that same, you know, create that same magic all over again. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, with uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, um, that production for Murfreesboro Little Theater was able to successfully launch over at Oakland's Mansion uh, in May, which was really, really outstanding. It was a beautiful production, um, great audiences, safe audiences outdoors, um, and it was really nice to see the community come back out as things were getting safer and vaccines were becoming more prevalent. Um, to, to see how much people wanted us back, how much people wanted theater back. Because um, I know it's not essential in the way that what you were talking about with like our, our, our food services and our, our healthcare industry and all of that. But um, for what theater offers the community in terms of support, friendship, all of those things, and entertainment, of course, as well, um, it's a huge part of so many people's lives. And to mm-hmm. see people finally get to have that back. Um, a lot of us were in tears after opening night, so it was pretty great. And yeah, not to undersell, you know, what you guys have done. I, I uh, just, you know, that's that's one of the uh, things you mentioned. That some of the guys, you know, when they said you guys got to put a freeze on this, no work, no shows, cancel everything. Well, the bills kept coming, right? Mm-hmm. So for the for the driver, for the light guy, um, and it's it's a tough call. And I, it's you know, it's hard to say what what I what I have done in that position is. You know, you have to you have to do what you have to do, and you kind of leave that up to the. Uh, health officials and the folks who are making those calls, but but a tough call nonetheless. So uh, very happy to just see that you know you guys were able to make it out on the other end. And uh, one of the productions coming up we wanted to talk about, we got about five or six minutes left this morning, uh, was the Laramie Project. So tell us a little bit more about that. You're probably excited to see this thing kick off. And um, you know it looks as of right now, all these shows should fire off on time and things are looking great. So tell us a little bit more about that. Um, the Laramie Project uh, is an amazing show and... <coughs> Um, we just, we actually just had our, our opening night last night at the Walnut House uh, to a very great, receptive, and appreciative audience. Uh, the story is about Matthew Shepard, um, who uh, was the victim of a vicious beating, uh, a very savage beating that resulted in his death in 1998. Uh, and it drew national attention to the need for hate crime legislation. It drew national attention to the need for anti-discrimination laws uh, because there was nothing. There was nothing to hold the young men accountable who did this um, based on um, the the fact that they were beating him and, the, and that they left him tied to a fence to die, unfortunately, um, because he was gay. And it, it really highlighted the need for us to be able to have that discussion on the legal front, but also in communities and in families and to be able to have that discussion about the the nature of hate and, and where does it start? Where does it evolve? You know, why do people, 
you know, they don't hatch hating other groups of people. Where are we learning this? Where are we teaching this? And there's a really poignant moment in the show. There's several, (laughs) but um, there's a poignant moment in the show where somebody says, you know, we all want to think we don't grow kids like that here. Well, obviously we do grow kids like that here because it happened here. And I think that's something that's really resonant, especially in small communities where we think we're insulated, right? We, we, we think that these are things that happen in bigger cities. Oh, that's a Nashville problem. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a New York problem. That's a Chicago problem. Um, but small towns are not immune, especially from things like brutality, mm-hmm. uh, for things like racism and, um, you know, discrimination based on 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 sex or gender or any of those things and so much of what happens in the laramie project is still unfortunately so incredibly relevant to what we're facing today um again it's a beautiful show it's a cast of 26 people playing 66 (laughs) characters um and you know the again the walnut house is just the ideal venue for it especially with ricky helping out with the tech with the lights and sound and projections and it's just uh, it's a beautiful experience that I hope nobody misses out on. Fantastic. And I love the idea that you guys are kind of taking the um, taking these messages and, and putting them into a play where people can come and they can be entertained, but also learn something and there's something to take away from that. For sure. And the creation of this particular show is really unique in that um, Moises Kaufman, members of the Tectonic Theater Project, um, they went and interviewed the people of Laramie when this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the aftermath during the funerals, uh, after the trials, all of it. They interviewed law enforcement, healthcare workers, you know, family, friends, complete strangers, just people living in the town, mm-hmm. watching it become the next Waco, you know, um, the next the next big thing that people were talking about to where it was no longer, oh, it's Laramie, Wyoming. It's, oh my God, Laramie, mm-hmm. Wyoming, kind of a thing. Um, and they took those interviews and those journal entries and those are the substance of the play. So you're actually getting to hear real accounts of of what these people were going through and how the everyday person was having to process this national tragedy that happened in their backyard well absolutely love it uh we're just about out of time today guys but love to have you back on again and uh, keep this information coming Uh, keep us updated so glad to have you back and uh with that jamie stevens with the murfreesboro little theater and ricky martini with the walnut house thank you guys so much for your time we got about 60 seconds tell us where we can find more of these information tickets where do folks go for that and uh plug the walnut house one more time if you could tell us where uh, folks can uh find your availability for events there um, for information on Murfreesboro Little Theater, upcoming shows and events, visit www.mltarts.com or find us on Facebook. For Acting Theater Group, you can also find us on Facebook. And for the Walnut House. You Walnut House, you can go to uh, Walnut House at fa- or Facebook at Walnut House. And uh, you can also visit us online at walnuthousemurfreesboro at, G- at uh, dot com. Sorry. <laughs> almost got it out right <laughs> so walnuthousemurfreesboro.com and definitely go and visit and tour the walnut house it yes. is a it is a beautiful venue it's surprisingly spacious and it's charming and it's it's multi-purpose and it's great um but yeah all righty well thank you guys so much for your time and uh, we'll be catching up with you soon thanks for having thanks, us. thanks nick all righty that was Ricky Martini with the Walnut House and Jamie Stevens with the Murfreesboro Little Theater joining us. We got live music with Mr. Truman Jones coming up next on your good neighbor station, News Radio WGNS. Money is.
issues, there's someone local you can talk to. Financial Coaching Radio with certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS.